It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. I am super excited to welcome Bonnie Lutis here, who is a Canadian with a very niche business, which I'm excited to introduce you to, currently living overseas. So where are you, Bonnie, right now? Uh, yeah, right now I'm in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Let's talk about your physical travel journey first. How did you, uh, where are you from in Canada and how did you up, end up in the Netherlands? Yeah, so it's, it's quite a long story, but I will try to make it as quick as possible. So I'm originally from just outside of Montreal just west of Montreal. And I lived there until I was about 18. And then I moved to Germany for a year. And uh, then I moved back from Germany and I studied on the east coast of Canada. I studied environmental and sustainability studies at uh, Acadia University. Ah. And I did a minor in business and innovation and an exchange year in Germany. So through that, I learned German And then that led me to be able to uh, qualify for the master's program in Germany in sustainable tourism management. Uh, I lived and worked there for a couple of years, and then I just uh, moved over the border uh, to the Netherlands and ended up in Amsterdam because I just fell in love with uh, the city. And throughout that whole process, I did a lot of work in the Caribbean. So I wrote my bachelor and master's thesis in the British Virgin Islands. So kind of bouncing all over the globe for the past few years. So you've got all this academia behind you, and yet you are an entrepreneur at this point in your life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I mean, my academic background uh, was quite focused on business. So I was, uh, I have a Master of Arts in Business uh, Management, and I did a minor in uh, Entrepreneur and Innovation. But I've always focused on islands. So I've always really, um, when I was about 13, I took my first trip overseas uh, to Hawaii and just completely fell in love with island life. And I was like, all right, this is for me. Uh, But then I really saw that the uh, travel and tourism industry kind of had a negative impact on the environment. And the reason I was there was to see the environment, you know, the turtles, the whales, the dolphins. So yeah, I was like, okay, there has to be a better way for that. And so I basically started researching into that topic about how tourism can improve the local environment rather than degrading it. That's basically what I dove into. And now it's about 12 years later and still still working on that. Now, of course, we have islands and turtles having had a guest house called the Painter Turtle <laughs> Guest House in our past. And in full transparency, how Bonnie and I know each other is we are both fellow ambassadors with Island Innovation. So, you know, we're, we're part of a movement, if you like, uh, about sharing knowledge and resiliency, sustainability, and, you know, if, to help regional ecosystems become, you know, more resilient, particularly valuable in uh, the next economic climate. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that jumped out at me in our in our conversation was particular niche area that you are offering expertise in right now, which is particularly needed in this COVID era and kind of the emergence of what's going to happen next. I mean, globally, we have all of this major infrastructure investment in hotels that, you know, potentially will take predictions I hear five years, maybe even longer, maybe it will never be the same, but there's significant opportunity in hotels, you know, being able to pivot 
or transition into a community-based infrastructure? Those are some of the ideas that we talked about. Can you provide some insight on what you're thinking on that? Yeah, exactly. So um, hotels are a really interesting topic for me because when I look at islands, the, the reason I start focusing on islands, I'm going to backtrack a bit. The reason I start focusing on islands uh, to begin with is not just because I, I love them and I find them really amazing, but it's also because I, I tend to think quite holistically. And it's really hard for me to rein myself in and focus on one specific topic. So what's nice about islands is you can encompass an entire solution, you know, a really holistic mm -hmm. ecosystem or, or, you know, the energy is connected with the water, connected with the waste and everything like that. So you can, uh, you can see the entire solution in, in one place and then scale it up from there. So there's been a lot of this concept of islands becoming test beds for innovation. I'm sure you've, mm -hmm. you've heard about that through the work that, that uh, we're doing with island innovation. But yeah, so hotels, it's basically the same concept. You have an entire community, basically, or an, an entire way of living that you need to encompass in this one building. Kind of helping finish that thought, which is, you know, a yeah. hotel is a little ecosystem in itself, right? There's a restaurant, I mean, there's yeah. meetings, there's rooms, there's bedrooms, right? There's, yeah, there's, there's common living space, there's a front desk, yeah, right? There's bathrooms. So there's like a whole entire living, community. breathing community ecosystem within one physical space. Exactly. You're mean, basically yeah. Scale, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. So you're basically scaling down the community into, you know, even a smaller box, which is which would be the hotel. And hotels are also usually the main form of development on an island. Mm -hmm. um, so tourism is often the main industry. Hotels are then the main form of development. So if you don't focus on the hotel pillar, I feel like you're often missing a big piece of the puzzle, if not the foundation of the puzzle. So uh, this idea of dynamic business models has come up a lot lately with COVID, you know, and, and um, Corona. And the ones that are basically, in my opinion, going to survive are the ones that are really now becoming dy dynamic and thinking of how can we transition, you know, because the tourists just aren't coming how they used to. So how can we transition from serving something that people wanted to serving something that people need? And I think that's really the defining factor of who's going to survive this and who's not is really looking at, okay, what do we have to offer and how can we tailor that and not trying to hold on to this business as usual, what we've always done, but really looking at what does the community need? Uh, also, what do the countries need that surround us? So there's been a lot of talk about island, the, the new form of tourism coming up, they will open up slowly to certain regions. So they will probably open up to the neighboring areas and then expand, expand, but it's not going to be this type of global travel immediately. So then you really have to tailor your package to what people need. And what are you hearing in your circles, even with the existing clients? What are the, what are the kind of the three steps or mindsets that we need to embrace before we even get to a solution, right? How do we get from crisis to, I have no income in my hotel, this massive infrastructure investment to getting to becoming a need, you know, an essential need. What, what, what has to happen? What do you think? Uh, it's a good question. Also quite a tough question. Um, I would say, first of all, kind of this entrepreneurial drive you know, that a lot of the hotel owners initially have as well. But really to look at, you know, as an entrepreneur, what can I offer and, and what do I have? So that would be the first thing, maybe, I don't know, brainstorming and writing it mm -hmm. down, you know, <laughs> like literally, what do you have to offer? And um, in the case of hotels, I mean, people need food, people need bedrooms, you know, people need 
people still need things that hotels can offer. It's just going to be a different market. And I think mm-hmm. tapping into that, then I would also suggest to look at the resources in your area. So I'm sure in a lot of islands, there are organizations that are helping with these types of things. There are calls for proposals that they can tap into. There's funding they can tap into. Of course, every island is different. Some are more advantaged, some are less advantaged. Yeah, but really looking at the community resources, the um, national resources and the international resources that that you can tap into. And then, um, yeah, this kind of out of the box thinking is just really, really important. One yeah. local story I could share is with uh, like Accent Inns, my, uh, a colleague of mine in the industry, you know, they, they opened up their, because that's a motel style of hotel, is they opened up to first responders who, you know, were healthcare workers, couldn't, felt fearful about going home and taking the potential risk of them transmitting, you know, disease to their family. So they were sleeping in their cars. And so, you know, Hotel Z yeah, stepped yeah, up and exactly. said, let's do that. So that's kind of the first responder. But So I think there's there's kind of three things that you have to look at, that you have to look at the short-term strategy, the medium, and the long-term, right? And so um, these types of things are absolutely necessary in the short-term. Um, and that's something that hotels have to kind of jump on right away. I've, I've also seen, you know, videos of hotels being very quickly converted into hospitals and things like that as well as then thinking, okay, what can we do in the medium term and what is also our long-term plan? So I will give you some examples. I'm working on a project right now called Islands of Innovation. It's an EU interreg funded project. So it's been going on for, for three years now, has one year left in the project. Right now we're developing follow-up projects to that uh, with the existing network. Yeah. What's the link or website that people could just check that out? I think it's innovationislands.com. Islands of Innovation is the project, and I'm quite sure the link is Innovation Islands. Yeah, and you can also download our our guide, which actually is a great tool to assess the local um, situation and then tip it in a more innovative direction. So through this project, we we have been developing uh, proposals for sustainable tourism um, and for resilience tourism for follow-up projects. Then COVID hit, and we kind of got together, I guess, virtually, because we didn't actually see each other, but we, we got together and we said, okay, you know what, throw those proposals out the window because there's a bigger issue here right mm-hmm. at the moment. So we scratched everything and in a matter of weeks wrote a new proposal to basically convert the section of the hospitality industry on the islands uh, in the Wadden Sea area into recovery care facilities for people who are recovering from covid um, they're not positive, testing positive anymore, but they, you know, still need help. They're not feeling very well. They need clean air to breathe. They need a connection to nature. They need, you know, a recovery. So uh, there's also a lot of people in Europe who have depression or anxiety, or maybe they lost loved ones and they're, you know, just not doing so well, or the lockdown hit them really hard. So mm-hmm. they're feeling very confined. And they need to reconnect with themselves, reconnect with nature, and also find a kind of path to healing. And all the uh, all the recovery facilities, you know, in the on the mainland, they're already overcrowded. Uh, so that was basically our our vision for the uh, for the coming couple of years to really reposition the islands as the wellness space, get the adequate Medicare on board, get the adequate therapists, and you know, then also give the hotels something to do because the hotel industry in in the Wadden area in general here, it's, it's very much summer-based. So, of course, right now is the summer season and they're not having any influx of guests. So once the summer season is over, they then hit a low period. So 
it's not like they're going to make that up again in three months. So with this, we can turn them more into long-term care facilities. When we talked a little bit about that, you know, you know, one of the, I guess, challenges or realities of tourism is that this, this big peak and trough, typically some, mm-hmm. some yeah. destinations and resorts have managed to, you know, get two seasons like Whistler or Colorado or some of those places, but part, maybe one of the long-term solutions that you and I kind of talked about is just, you know, somehow f- flattening that curve literally is, <laughs> is the ebb and flow is, you know, flattening the curve in the tourism industry. And, and sometimes the more sustainable easy solution is actually to even that out with long-term care facilities or like we said innovation labs or or office spaces co-working spaces where you can get out of their house and go work in a in a private room but still have access to the food and the you know the common areas where they can bump into like-minded people yeah definitely and and i'm glad you brought in the sustainability aspect because that's what i was going to um go into about the short term, medium term and long term. So the medium term would of course be these these care centers, but also there is a plan to design them to be really circular, really sustainable, produce their own food, produce their own electricity, um, you know, so that when the care facilities aren't necessarily needed and tourism can then return to normal, that they will be well positioned to then cater to a more resilient, more sustainable and more cost effective way of producing tourism or, or hosting tourism because, you know, they they can produce their own electricity, they can maybe even supply that to the community. You know, so the, this idea of also having a hotel not just consume, 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 but also produce is is really what resilient businesses are doing. For example, if you had a hotel right now that had a, a hydroponic greenhouse and produced its own food, you know, that had a waste a wastewater management system that produced its own electricity, that maybe even uh, partnered with a company to start up an on-site uh, cosmetic manufacturing company, you know, to make their own shampoos or face creams or, or hand creams. These are all things that are still needed. So you could very easily convert that and then start selling to the local community rather than, or providing for the local community rather than the tourists. I think the future of hospitality is, you know, to be diverse in what you're offering. And something that keeps coming up in conversations for me is like these experience centers. And that's really yeah. kind of what you're talking about, right? I, as you were saying, cosmetics and that I can think of my girlfriend that produces, you know, uh, hand cream in, in her basement. Um, yeah, could exactly. easily, it could become a maker space for boutique and artisan products. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the plan. And it's not only valid for the COVID period. Um, I mean, the the way we integrated it into this was really about the experience, the healing experience. So, you know, now with, with this whole situation, people want to know where their food comes. They want to know what they're consuming, you know, and also it's very therapeutic to kind of have these connections and be creative and build your own products. So the workshop experience type tourism uh, is a good fit. But it's it's also a great fit for after. I think people are a bit tired of this cookie cutter tourism and they really want an authentic experience. And islands are really um, great hotspots for creative people. So, you know, you really have like, I mean, islands basically, they I've heard someone say that everyone is kind of like a one man show, you know, they can do everything. So you have so much creative local talent. And, and I think to integrate that into the hospitality experience is is a really positive thing for sustainability, but also for the guests and for the profit. I have literally written down about five ideas myself and places to go <laughs> and check check out. Um, back to you personally, Bonnie. Just could you share 
you know, is there an essential read or an essential resource kind of pre-C, I call it the pre-C era, that, you know, is a motivational quote or, or a favorite book that has inspired you? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say that the first thing that sparked um, my journey with sustainability on islands was a research paper. <laughs> I wish it was like a cool book, you know, but it was a research paper that I was reading about the Galapagos. And they were basically explaining how people go there to see the wildlife, you know, and then by them being there, they destroy the ecology, which destroys the wildlife. And whether whether that's through them being there or for the products that are imported for them. And then basically the, the destination cannibalizes itself, you know, and islands, right. islands have developed, the ecology has developed, uh, especially islands that are so remote, like the Galapagos, the ecology has developed without human interaction uh, until mm-hmm. tourism. So it's basically a self-destructive industry. And so I thought like, you know, that's just a really bad business model. <laughs> Plus, I don't want to see that happen. So how can I, how can I reverse that? And then that's basically what I, what I started to do was just, think about that and research. And like I said, I was in the BVI and I sailed to different islands and interviewed hotels of what their challenges were, what the opportunities were. And uh, then I came back and I was trying to compile all that research. And at some point I just kind of couldn't do it anymore. So I, it was like 2 a.m. So I said, okay, I, I have to keep working on this because my due date is coming up, but I, I can't do it anymore. So I got a glass of wine and I watched the movie, The Island President. And then it just Ooh, kind I of like... Oh, it's great. It's about the Maldives and climate change and uh, sea level rise. For some reason, that kind of struck with me. And then I basically developed a model (laughs) to reverse Mm -hmm. the paradox, you know, this kind of island paradox uh, that focuses on the regeneration of natural resources as inputs for economic and social development. And then it's kind of like a feedback loop. So that's really guided a lot of my my work and my research is really seeing the environment as the base that if you don't have that and if you don't protect your natural resources that you won't have social and economic development. So I have no doubt that uh, I'm going to, there'll be lots of people who are in the tourism and hotel sector that are going to (laughs) totally fall in love with you as I have and what the work that you're doing, (laughs) because I think it's necessary, right? It's like you said, it's gone from being a a nice to have to a need. And uh, I look forward to you know, hopefully connecting you with to more people that can work with you. And I think our biggest challenge is going to be how can we work with a big group of people at, a, at one time to, to kind of innovate and get solutions happening at a local level. So um, that's where I see the big problem. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's this kind of train the trainer approach, um, obviously for scaling businesses and for scaling solutions. Uh, so that's something we've been working with quite a lot. Uh, I don't know if I even really introduced what we do. Take company. a moment. Take a moment. Tell us. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your system. Yeah. So my company is called uh, Turtle Co. Mm-hmm. And we help to redesign hotels to become more sustainable. That could be in energy. It could be in waste. It could be in water. It could be in sewage. Uh, it could be the entire nine yards. So uh, basically developing solutions and implementing them that work with each other. So one of the issues, one of the reasons why I started uh, Turtle Co. was because I found that there were a lot of hotel managers that really wanted to become sustainable. But, you know, coupling your water system with your solar panels or your waste management system, it's, it's really time intensive and you have to do a lot of research. And as you know, as a, as a hotel owner, as a former hotel owner, as you know, uh, 
hotel managers and owners are extremely busy, <laughs> extremely yeah. busy. So they're taking care of their guests and they're just usually, it's, it's an entire full-time job to basically design a hotel in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we developed the company to bridge that gap and to kind of play an umbrella role. So we have a team of specialists uh, that I work with, um, depending on depending on the needs, the specific needs of, of the property. I pull on different specialists and in, in different fields uh, to help design and implement solutions. And lately, we've been working more with the destination strategy and planning side of things. So awesome. really creating a foundation so that businesses who want to become sustainable have support from the ground up or from the top down, I guess. So how do we get from this being a great idea, which is working with Turtle Co., you know, you're from Canada, living in the Netherlands, how can a local community, right, or either a stakeholder group, a tourism stakeholder umbrella organization, or an individual hotel connect with you to make resiliency happen for themselves? What, how, how can they do that? What's the easiest way? Uh, Yeah, well, I guess the easiest way would be to reach out to me and, uh, have a call. <laughs> I'm definitely happy to connect with anyone. Um, obviously, there's no one size solution for every destination. Islands share a lot of the same challenges. They share a lot of the same opportunities, but it's it's a unique case for everyone. So yeah, anybody listening, just feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you're struggling with or maybe just say hi. Yeah, then uh, I would be happy to connect with, with anyone and have a chat or see if we can get something, cool. get the ball rolling. So my goal for you is to get a hundred emails so that you feel a little <laughs> bit overwhelmed and then you can, we, you know, we can figure out how to scale this, this response, right. Of the education. We'll, we'll worry about that next, but that's my goal for you. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I'd say to everybody, definitely download um, our guide. Uh, so the tipping guide, it's a great resource for islands uh, from the innovation program that I was talking about. And it's, it's a great place to start because it's a tool that helps to, analyze the stakeholders that could support you locally in nice. your innovation transition. So it's, it's really a, a step-by-step tool to help you identify them, hold workshops or, you know, online workshops. <laughs> uh, yeah, but to, to hold workshops, um, really map out everything so that you really have this kind of foundation to, to pull from. And you can um, download that for free on the website. How many, if we have a little glow, uh, you know, an Island Innovation Hub, you know, through Island Innovation, how many stakeholders would you want to have in a group if you were to lead a facilitated workshop for individual accommodation properties? Yeah, so we've done quite a, f- uh, quite a few of these um, Islands of Innovation workshops, especially with our, our partner islands. Great. Um, and usually it's, it's about 10 to 15 local stakeholders. Yep. It can be less. You can also have five. Um, but you really want kind of a, a diverse group of stakeholders. So everyone from creative sector to government to local industry, hotels. Um, but I mean, of course, if you have a network of, of five hotels, that would also work. But it's it's nice to get a, a, a diverse group of local stakeholders. And then you get a lot of different perspectives. You can even bring some youth in there, you know. My very first be at home day with my kids going I don't, ha- I don't know how to be a mom teacher, right? <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, you know, let's just go with something easy that I can, you know, that's easy for me. And so I sat them down and workshopped, you know, what does tourism and travel look like in the future? Because we just come back from being in the States. And so we were in the midst of having to quarantine and, and we totally workshopped this. It took us three hours to workshop. What does tourism look like in the future? And suddenly kids I were would like, love to see that. Oh, <laughs> it was, if I only had I recorded it, but it was so awesome. They're just like, 
well, we don't really need to travel to see family and friends anymore. We don't really need to go on these highfalutin, you know, big trips. You know, we want to experience nature. That was one. Yeah. Definitely nature and healing. Learning. So I want to travel to uh, the space station to learn something new. That was the second one. Yeah. And three, as I said, everything else can just be, you know, with AV, VR goggles. Right now, you know, they said yeah, I could definitely. be in, I could be in Vegas with a couple pair of goggles. And so yeah, I'm and like, you don't oh, have jet lag, which is you don't great. Have jet lag, you don't spend. A anyway, it was such a great session. But anyway, that's a, kind of diverting a little bit. I just wanted to say yeah, exactly. But now, yeah. I, I mean, I, every everyone asked me, like a, a couple of friends asked me recently, you know, are you really missing the traveling? Because I, I do have to, because of the CO2 per uh, footprint, I really limit my flight travel. But you know, sometimes it's inevitable. So I do as much as I can from home and then work with local partners. And then sometimes I actually have to go to the destination. And when I do that, I try to stay for a longer period of time. But I have a 13 year old dog. And <laughs> so I just really don't like to be away from home so much. You know, I just want to spend as much time with her as possible. You know, so my friend was asking me, yeah, are you sad with all, you know, that you're not traveling so much? I'm just like, I'm so happy that I have an excuse now not to travel. <laughs> so I'm just awesome. enjoying so much, uh, yeah, spending time with my, with my dog and, uh, yeah, working from home. And, nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I know for me, this whole isolation has realized that these conversations is where the magic, transfer, transmitting knowledge through simple conversations is really where I get the most fun and the most benefit. And so, yeah, it's been fun for me. It's the middle of the night for you almost, <laughs> right? So I appreciate you uh, continuing and, and uh, listening, you know, and contributing to this podcast. I think it's been great. I think you have amazing wisdom that I can't wait to share. <laughs> Thank you so much. But uh, like you said, I think sometimes the, the best wisdom comes from the strangest sources. So maybe you, you get wisdom from a walk or you get wisdom from a, a kid or from a, grandmother or something so Excellent. yeah I think it's I think like we said it's important to look for wisdom in, in all areas and then include that in in your plans okay Bonnie thanks again yeah thank you so much bye Canada <laughs> I will hopefully come home soon thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's podcast network we hope you enjoyed the show today make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.